This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Psalm 108. I'm excited about what the Lord has for us this morning. It is a weighty thing knowing that this is the last time that I'll have to speak to you for potentially the next several years, Lord willing. I hope you don't have to see our, my face. I, I know you're going to miss Sarah's face and Uriah and Melania, but hopefully you don't have to see my face for a while, unless it's on WhatsApp. That'd be cool. But uh, this is where I believe the Lord has us going. If you would please, if you're physically able, if you'd stand with me for the reading of Psalm 108. I personally enjoy responsive reading. And so I will read the odd verses. You read the even verses, and together we'll finish up with verse 13. Okay, Psalm 108, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth. God hath spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and mete out the valley of Succoth. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom will I cast my shoe. Over Philistia will I triumph. Wilt not thou, O God, who hast cast us off? And wilt not thou, O God, go forth with our hosts? Altogether, through God we shall do valiantly, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. Let's pray. Father, I, uh, I, I do more than invite you. There's no reason to invite you into your own house, your own people. But Lord, I do ask and I beg of you, please, take this time now. These uh, thoughts and this passage has been meditated over and prayed over. And Holy Spirit, I know that, uh, that you have something for these, for us today. Father, please speak to us. Let my words not be remembered, but I pray that your word would be. And Father, I pray that you would just take this time now, open our hearts, give me clarity, help me to be concise, and I pray, Father, that you would speak mightily today and do good, uh, big things. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want you to... Think of two of David's dark periods in his life. The first one, I want you to imagine things, things have been up and down, slightly tumultuous with, uh, with the present king, with Saul. And David has slain Goliath. David has been in the court of Saul. David has been leading uh, troops into battle. And David's been playing the harp. And, and then all of a sudden, things begin to turn. And Saul begins to come after him. And, and, and things begin to take a downward toll. 
And so David is literally running through the wilderness and, and there's a part where there's, there's one army on one side of a small hill and, and he's on the other side and trying to evade them and eventually in 1 Samuel, excuse me, 1 Samuel, I always forget here, in 1 Samuel chapter 24, he's being chased, one man being chased, and a small ragtag group of other men being chased by 3,000 warriors. And Saul had sent 3,000 men after David, and he finds a cave, and he shelters into this cave. And he begins to write a psalm. And out of that comes deep praise. And God delivers. Now, fast forward, David is the new king of Israel. He's been on the throne for a little while now, but uh, still getting everything under control. And God gives opportunity to go and face down these large enemies north of Israel from the kingdom of Zobah. And so David brings his armies up to the north of Israel, up into what is, uh, what is uh, the northern regions, and he faces off against reinforced armies. One army fights and another army hears that their friends are being attacked, and so they come in and they also attack David. And there's great battle, and David wins many victories, but... Your enemies to the south have now heard that your, your rear guard is vulnerable. And so Edom begins to come in and move in from the south, and it comes in, and they begin to attack the villages, and the things begin to happen. And David hears of these calamities, and then he cries out to God, and he says, what, Have you forsaken us? What is going on? And so they rush down. And according to uh, the psalm and according to uh, several different passages, it seems like it was a combination of Joab and Abishai, the brother, uh, the brother warriors. They come down and they put an absolute crush on top of Moab. But it was with first significant loss. And so David writes another psalm in which he ends up praising God. We have this combination of two psalms today in Psalm 108. And I want to make the, the thought, I want you to walk away with several things. First of all, I want you to realize that with God, we shall do valiantly. And because of Christ, we can. But I want, us, I want to argue towards this point this morning. Every Christian is called to a life of valiance. Whether their circum, or whatever their circumstances may be. And therefore, we must be ready to be used by God to tread down the enemy. Being valiant isn't a character trait that we can simply summon up and say, alright, today I'm going to be extra brave, I'm going to be extra valiant. But rather, true valiance is born from a life that is connected with Christ by praise and by faith. And so I invite you to consider several things this morning about valiant works. First of all, we look in verses 1 through 5, and we see that valiant works begin with praise. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Awake, sultry and harp. I myself will awake, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations, for thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reaches unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, 
and thy glory above all the earth. Valiant works begin with praise. Now this is important to realize. The first five verses of our passage this morning are actually a section that were taken from Psalm 57 when David was in the cave of Adullam running from Saul's 3,000 warriors. And so if you, we don't have to go back because it's almost identical, but if you were to look back at Psalm 57, you would notice that verses 7 through 11 of that psalm have been transported to Psalm 108, and they make up our first five verses. And so David is taking this time where from Psalm 57, what he cuts out is the bad part. He cuts out the part where he's saying, God, what's happening? I'm crushed and I need your help. And he's simply focusing on the praise that came out of that very difficult time. And if we are to be doing valiant works for the Lord, it must first begin with praise. Praise, first of all, from a fixed, or another word for that is an established heart. David says, oh God, my heart is fixed. David's heart was established, though his circumstances in the original psalm, in Psalm 57, were incredibly dire. His circumstances were as low as humanly possible. He was a fugitive on the run, trying to be killed by an overwhelming force. And yet David, in Psalm 57, after he cries out and says, God, I'm absolutely crushed, he turns back to God and he says, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. And our praise then must not be rooted in how we feel. It must not be rooted in what, we, uh, what, what the circumstances around us look like. But our praise must be rooted in the fixed goodness of God. And therefore, if we are to do valiant things, we must first have a heart of praise that praises God despite the circumstances. But then we see that it's praise from a whole being. He says, I will sing and give praise even with my glory. This word is kabod, this word for glory. And it is the common word throughout the entire Old Testament for glory. When it speaks of God's glory or the glory of this or the glory of that, it is the word kabod. And so here, in this psalm, he says, I will Give, sing and give praise even with my glory. Essentially, it's a very deep euphemism for saying, with all of my being, with absolutely every fiber of who I am, I give praise to God. If we are to be doing valiant works, our praise must not be part of what we do but it must be all of who we are. Our life ought to be breathing praise. Every single thing that we do, every single task that we undertake, every snotty nose that we wipe, and every bolt that we fix, and every piece of wood that we cut, all of these should be breathing out praise to our God, because we are to praise God with our glory, with our innermost depths. Of being. I think that David, I think of David jumping 
so hard and dancing so hard when he uh, was coming in with the Ark of the Covenant. This is the picture that I get of praising God with all of his glory. When, when David is walking and entering back into Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant and he's praising God and he's in his linen cloth and he's, he's simply dancing before the Lord. He did not care who was watching. He did not care how foolish he was. He was praising God with all of his glory. But then this praise also is from a sacrificial position. It says, awake, psaltery, and harp. I myself will awake early. Think, again, the original part of Psalm 57. When this first five verses were being written, David was on the run. He was exhausted. He was living in a cave. He was eating meager food. He had very difficult circumstances. And yet, according to this psalm, he promises, I will awake early. Our praise, if we are to do valiant works, must be a sacrificial praise. Praise that comes easy is very different than praise that comes with sacrifice. Praise in the midst of tears is very different than praise in the midst of ease. And yet David said, I will arise, I will awake early he would sacrifice. This is praise that is local. It says, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. Sometimes I think being known as a person of praise is most difficult around the people that you're with all the time. Because people know when you get up in the middle of the night with a baby, you don't necessarily want to praise God. Apparently you can tell I have a young child, right? Uh, People know who you are. And yet David said, look, here's what I want people to know about me. Here's what I want the, my innermost circle to know, that I am a man that will praise God. David was a man of praise. This was a praise that was global in reach. He said, I will uh, sing praises to thee among the nations. Our praise, if we are to have our praise begin valiant works, then our praise must have a global outreach. Because if it is true joy, if I have joy that is so deep in my soul that despite the circumstances around me, despite whether I feel like being able to praise or not, I can still rejoice in the goodness of God, then when I look out at the suffering of the world, when I look out at nations that have no impact of Christ upon Upon them yet, then my desire ought to be, I want them to praise as well. I want them to declare the goodness of God. I want the people in Pakistan to know that Christ is King and this is an excellent, happy occasion. I want the people of the islands to know that Christ is King and that He is greater than all of their troubles right there. I want the people of Detroit to know that Christ is King and He can bring joy to their brokenness. It is a praise that is global in its reach. And then it is a praise that is centered on our worthy God. For thy mercy is great. Why are we praising? Why are we rejoicing? Because we have full bellies? No. Because we have nice cars? No. Because we have stable jobs? No. For thy mercy is great. 
above the heavens and thy truth, a word we need to meditate on, thy truth reaches unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens and thy glory above all the earth. I love how David wraps up that section. I will praise you with my kabod. I will praise you with my glory so that your kabod, your glory is known over all of the earth. I will give all of myself so that all of you can be known. Praise begets faith. For if we can praise God despite what we see, we can trust him to work despite how we feel. And that leads us to point number two. Valiant works begin with praise, but valiant works are preceded by faith. Look with me in verses 6 through 11. That thy beloved may be delivered, save with thy right hand and answer me. This, this took me a moment, it took me a while to, to figure out this phrase, but that thy beloved, uh, right now, this is the beginning, this is coming from Psalm 60. So, so David takes a chunk from Psalm 57, which is verses 1 through 5 here, and then verses 6 through 13 are all from Psalm 60. So we're starting a different section of a different psalm within our psalm now. And David, David uses this and says, that thy beloved may be delivered, or for the purpose of your beloved being delivered, save with your right hand and answer me. God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide out Shechem and meet out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the strength of mine head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom <laughs> will I cast out my shoe. Over Philistia will I triumph. These things we see that valiant works are preceded by faith. First of all, faith in God's power. Faith in God's power. David looks around. David looks at himself. David looks at the circumstances he's in because now in Psalm 60, right, that's the psalm that he's drawing this portion of the passage from. In Psalm 60, this is the instance where David was up north and fighting and he heard that Edom had come in and sacked Israel from the south. And so David cries out and he says, have you cast us off? What's going on, Father? And yet, David says, look, so that your beloved can be, uh, uh, so that your beloved may be delivered, save with thy right hand. David understood, even though he was a king, even though he ruled a powerful nation, even though he was a mighty warrior, that he had no strength apart from God. And if we are to do valiant works, it must not be centered on what I can do or how strong I am or my ingenuity or my finances, but rather the faith that we have to do these valiant works must be wholly centered on the power of our good God. David trusted that God alone was able to save. Faith in God's promises. Verses 7 through 10, we won't read them again for sake of time, but this is, this is David speaking. I think some commentators are a little bit divided, but the way that I understand this passage, God has spoken in his holiness. I will, and so 
He's, David's saying, look, th- these are the promises that God has given to me. And now David is saying, I, David, will rejoice. I, David, will divide out Shechem. I, David, will meet out the valley of Succoth. This isn't God necessarily speaking. This is David speaking because of what God had told him. And so he has faith in God's promises. God has spoken in his holiness, and therefore I'm going to go out, and God has given me Gilead. God has given me Manasseh and Ephraim. God has given me Moab and Philistia and all of these enemies of mine. God has given to me, and I will go out and conquer. And so they are dependable. These promises of God are dependable because of his holiness. God has spoken in his holiness. And we can rejoice in working towards them. So Spurgeon puts it this way, and again, I know I'm connecting a lot of different passages here, but they all fit together. David, let me zoom out, and we'll get a big picture of what's going on here. We're in Psalm 108. Verses 6 through 13, as I have mentioned, are taken from Psalm 60. Psalm 60 is written when David is doing this battle up north, People are attacking from the south. That whole incident is found in several different passages in the Old Testament, but mainly 1 Chronicles 18 and 2 Samuel 8. In 1 Chronicles 17, we have God promising David an everlasting kingdom. We have God promising David mighty things. And Spurgeon says this. He says in 1 Chronicles 17, God promises David an everlasting heritage. And in chapter 18, David acts upon those promises. He goes out and he says, Okay, Lord, if these are mine, I'm going to claim them. And so, this faith that we have in God's power, this faith that we have that God will do valiant works through us, We can rejoice in working towards them. Too often we sit back and we go, yep, God's going to do something big. When God says, yes, I am, if you would get involved. Yes, I am, if you would step up to the plate and be the tool that I want to use. That is what we need to be allowing God to do. And we don't have to worry about what others It doesn't matter if people think, well, you're being too aggressive as a Christian. Nope, God said, do this and there will be reward. It doesn't matter if we're being... Let me me qualify that. It doesn't matter if people think that you're being reckless with your finances by, by giving to the church or doing these things if God said, nope, I want you to do that. It doesn't matter. We can act on the promises of God. And this is a faith that challenges doubt. David is not afraid in verses 10 and 11. He says, who will bring me into the strong city? Who will lead me into Edom? Okay, these are the promises that God gave. I'm going out and acting on them. Right? David goes up. He acts in the north. He conquers. And now all of a sudden, this um, Edom is coming in and conquering David. Who's going to bring me into Edom? Will, will not thou, O God, who has cast us off? Whoa, 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 where are we going? We're going from this praise to this despondency of, of, God, you're doing amazing things, but wait a second, you've cast us off? And wilt not thou, O God, go forth with our hosts? C.S. Lewis writes in the Screwtape Letters, one of the most powerful thoughts 
that I've, I've, I've read. He says, do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring, but still intending to do our enemy's will, meaning God's will, looks around upon a universe from which every trace of God seems to have vanished and asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. This faith that David had was unshakable in what circumstances seemed like. Valiant works begin with praise. Valiant works are preceded by faith. And then faith begets action. Because as we praise our God, despite how we feel, and have faith, despite what we can see, God will act despite how weak we actually are. And so, number three, valiant works are accomplished with God. Verses 12 and 13 give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Through God we shall do valiantly, for he it is that, that shall tread down our enemies. Valiant works are accomplished with God. That's this word through God, through God we shall do valiantly. It can also be translated as with, with God we shall do valiantly. And yet we see that adversaries still oppose. It says, give us help from trouble. It means give us help from the adversary. That's not specifically speaking, I believe, of Satan in this uh, specific passage, but we know that that certainly applies. Give us help from our adversaries. Adversaries still oppose when we want to do valiant things for the Lord. Adversaries will still oppose as you seek to praise your God. Adversaries will still oppose as you seek to have faith. The, the circumstances around you might be difficult. Adversaries will still oppose, and yet man's help is useless. For vain is the help of man. But with God, we shall do valiant. And then we see, after he says that, he says, adversaries, it's the same word, that word enemies at the end, for uh, he it is that shall tread down our enemies. That's the same word for the very, uh, for trouble. Trouble and enemies, same word. For he it is that shall tread down our adversaries. Adversaries will still oppose when you want to do valiant things for the Lord. Man's help is vain. Yet with God, we shall do valiantly. And so I want to look then at the conclusion of the matter, which is my longest point yet. But I think it will wrap everything up. I, I want us to remember the entire argument of this. Every Christian is called to a life of valiance, whether their whatever their circumstances may be, and therefore, we must be ready to be used by God to tread down the enemy. And so as we look back, what I want you to remember, these two psalms, Psalm 57 and Psalm 60, are mashed into one psalm. Not because the Holy Spirit ran out of things to say. Not because David couldn't think of any other way to praise God. There had to be a reason that David took 
portions of these two other psalms and put them together. And as I meditated upon this and as I think about it, what I believe David takes out from these other two psalms, he takes out the really difficult parts. He takes out the part that says, God, where are you? What happened? And he only remembers the good. He looks back in Psalm 108 and he puts the things that said, wow, look what God did. And now we can do valiantly because we see what has already happened. And so what I want you to realize then is this. Christ is worthy of our praise. This psalm is a memory of praise. And all of this is pointing, all of Psalm 108 is focal pointing in verse 5 to the gospel. The gospel is what makes us able to praise Christ. It is the gospel that makes us able to go out and do valiant things. And so look with me in verse 5. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth. What's happening in this verse? As we glance over it, you might miss it, but here's what I want you to understand. That word exalted, it means to be lifted up high. And so in the Septuagint, right, which is the Greek translation of the, of the Old uh, Testament Hebrew, the Greek translation uses a word, who, I can always just read it in my head when I'm going to go and do it, and then I go to read it out loud. No matter how many years of Greek you take, it's always difficult to read it out. Hupsothedi is the word that it uses here in, in the Greek for exalt. Oh, be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Why is that important? I want you to keep your finger here with me. And I want you to turn with me to John 12. John 12. Look with me in verse 32. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men into myself. It's the same word. God be exalted. Jesus said, if you lift me up, if you exalt me on the cross, I will be known. And here we see the gospel link between Psalm 108 where David cries out and he says, God, be exalted, be lifted up. And Jesus Christ echoes this very same word. And he says, if you lift me up, I will draw all men to myself. But the lifting up was not what David expected. Rather, it was a lifting up unto death. It was a lifting up unto the cross. And so it is in this psalm that we see the entire reason, the entire ability that we have to be able to do anything valiantly for the Lord. It is because of and for and by the cross. And so for you believers, for Christians, Christ has already been lifted up. He's already been exalted. And it is now our joy 
to sing praises to him as our Lord and as our Savior and as our King and to declare that praise to all nations, to all tribes, to all tongues, and to all people. Christ has been lifted up for you. And for those of you today that do not know my Christ, he's been lifted up for you. He has been lifted up and put upon a cross. He came and humbled himself even to the point of death so that he could die a human death in human tragedy and suffer human suffering so that you and I could know him. Would you come to know him today? But here's the thing, what the Lord says in John 12, 32, I will draw all men unto me. Every single person will be drawn to Christ, be it by conquest at the end, or be it by love right now. All knees will bow, all tongues will confess that Christ is Lord So, how do we begin to do valiant works? We understand that Christ is worthy of praise. How then do we begin to do valiant works? We understand that Christ is worthy of our faith. This psalm is a reflection of what God did. David doesn't look back and focus on all of the bad things. David looks back and he focuses on, yes, I put my faith in a worthy God. Christ has already saved us, but here's the thing. As in Psalm 108, God gave promises to David, so God also gives promises to us today. So we have something new to stake our faith in and say this is why we can do valiantly for our God. John 14, 12, God promised us, Christ promised us that we would do greater works than even what the disciples saw in the name of Jesus Christ. John 16, 7, Jesus Christ promised that the Comforter would dwell with us eternally. Matthew 28, 18-19, we know that all power was given unto him, and therefore we have portion of that power to go in his name. And then Matthew 28, 20, we have the promise that he is with us until the very end of all ages. And so we can stake our faith in the promises of God as we seek to do valiantly for the name of Jesus. Christ is worthy of our praise. Christ is worthy of our faith. And finally, Christ is worthy of our action. This psalm is a psalm of continuance. David goes on, and he doesn't say it was through God that we did valiantly. But rather he says, through God we shall do valiantly. Through God we shall do valiantly. So I want to close then with what does that mean for you and me? Sometimes... Valiant works are simply living in a crushed obedience before God 
like David did in the cave. The valiant works that God has called us to do is simply to hang on to him for dear life and let him do his work. Sometimes, valiant works are sweeping feats of bravery like God called David to do in Syria and in Edom. And sometimes God calls you to go out and to do this thing that is so much bigger than what you feel like you're capable of. It is so much bigger than what you have the money for. It is so much bigger than what you feel like you have the ability to do. And yet God says, do it. But always and forever, valiant works are a result of obedient praise and faith. One final thought with this is that he says this, for it is uh, through God, not that I shall do valiantly, but that we. So often we wonder, how do I as a house mom do valiant works for the Lord? How do I as a teenager working at auto bell or trying to get through school or trying to do these things, how do I do valiantly? How do I as a carpenter do valiant works for the Lord? How do I connect wires as an electrician and plan out doing valiant deeds for Christ? What, what is this? It's not through God I shall do valiantly, but we the church, we his people, and God calls out individuals from a church to participate in those valiant deeds. And so valiant works are waiting to be done. So the question today is this, what do you need to do? You need to be connected with Christ. Praise Him at all times. Seek out His promises and pursue them. And then act in obedience and faith as the tool that Christ will use to tread down the enemy. And through God, we shall do valiantly. Father, use this church, use us to do valiant things for your kingdom and for the name and sake of Jesus Christ, who is worthy of our praise, who is worthy of our faith, and who is worthy of our action. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.